Blog Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You once again I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine The memories living In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know Just what you've done Good evening and welcome to the Self Child Abuse Now show. This is scan number 3070. That's 3070. Okay, 3070. Tonight we're going to have a, a guest on. I've been reading his bio and uh, he came on quite a while ago. Yes, he did. And he came back to grace us with his presence. And uh, he's got quite a bio here. And I'm quite proud of him. Okay. I don't know him yet, but I'm already proud of him. Now, I see that Bill is uh, here also. Uh, there we go. Hold on just a second. Hello, Cal. Hi, how are you doing? Oh, I'm trying to log in. I'm having a little trouble here putting my name in the slot. But anyway, you know it's just me. <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. Eat I'm today. Not. I haven't eaten today either. <laughs> Make sure you have a dessert, okay. too, though. Okay. I'll talk to you later. All right. Um so anyway, let me uh, let me read the uh, mission statement because that's important also, and uh, I might give a little bit of information about our guests. Um, I do like for them to you know tell their own story their own way. So a lot of times I won't really get into it, but during the course of the show, what I will do is uh, if I see something that I think would be a good topic or good for the topic, uh, I might pull it out from his bio. Okay, I do that. So let me read the mission statement. And uh, we have a singleness of purpose at NASCA that is to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so two different ways. Number one is educating the public, especially as related to getting society over the taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting the facts so that the show, that show rather, child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone, and it does. I could go into that. I could do a whole story on that, but let's not. Okay, number two is offering hope for healing through numerous pairs and providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Now, you know, those of you that listen to me, you listen to me a lot, I know this. Um, I always zero in on prevention, and why do I do that? Okay, I do believe that um, parents have to do a better job, and of course that's for children who come from good homes where the parents care about them and all that. Um, the proper homes, as we used to call it when I was a kid growing up. 
but, you know, it's not good enough just to teach your child to cross the street. It's good to do that. Don't get me wrong. Or to talk about the guy that might come out or the lady, okay, from behind the bush and uh, offer them candy and other things, which we won't go into. You have to teach your children about the good, the bad, and I, I call it the ugly. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. It was hysterical. You should look at it. But I use it in a different way because we have the good, and then you have the somewhat not good, and then you have the downright ugly, okay? And you're not doing your your kids a service of any kind of whatsoever if you don't teach them age appropriately about their body parts and how to stay safer. You just don't. Especially in today's world where all the stats have multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. So you're going to have a lot more child abuse of all different kinds. And what did we just speak about? Prevention of, of, of all those, okay, okay, because that's just the way it is. We have sexual, physical, mental, emotional, and neglect. The stats for that have gone, they, they've, I'm telling you, three times over from a few years ago. So it's something that we have to, as a parent, if you're going to be a good parent, um, is you know learn to teach your children about the world that we live in today. And also we have a wonderful um, website that's NASCA, N-A-A-S-C-A dot org, NASCA dot org. And if you go to the very, what's the last one on the right-hand side of the red blocks that I speak about, it speaks about prevention and intervention and so forth and so on. And it actually tells you how to speak to your children age appropriately so that they can learn. And I'm going to tell you something. That brings a better bonding even between parent and child. It absolutely does because a kid is not stupid. They think to themselves, wow, mommy and daddy really do care about me because they are trying to teach me how to stay safer than I already thought I knew, okay? This is good for bonding. So parents should role play because, you see, the parents are the ones that giggle. They don't want to say breasts. They don't want to say, uh, you know, penis or, or vagina or anything like that. But I can tell you this. I've been uh, raped and abused many times in my life. And one time in the New York City um, Police Department, they asked me where I was touched. I didn't know the names of anything. So I had to point here, point there, point there. Point, you know what I'm saying? Children are not stupid. They deserve to be taught a better way of staying safe. And it is, our, it is actually our, our business as parents right, to teach them how to do that. I seem to have lost my screen here. There we go. I've got it back again. All right. So now we're going to get to our, our guest after I've uh, given you a little bit of the riot act here. <laughs> but I'm just so passionate. Uh, many of us are so passionate about trying to teach uh, parents, uh, the schools, the professors, um, even professors sometimes get mad at me. I don't care. They walk out. They slam the door. So what? I still get my certificate. What do I care? You have to bring forth the truth, okay? And that's what it's all about. So um, after, you know, um, I've done this, I've read the mission statement. Um, the telephone number here is 646-595-2118. That's 646-595-2118. Okay. So tonight's guest is Kermit 
how do you say your last name? McCown, is that correct? McCown, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's from Butte, Montana. He's a returning NASCA family member who has not been with us for years. Kermit notes that it takes enormous courage on the part of a victim who who comes through one door and asks for help to get you know alone and navigate and and all kinds of stuff that you go through. Okay, I don't want to read all of his words here. Um, and about community services such as the police train to deal with family violence. I know a lot about that. I work detention, counseling for adults and children. Kermit says that. Um, counties need to develop safety plans. Boy, is that true. I very much am a community worker, and, and this is something that very much is needed. Safety plans, shelters, crisis-slash-medical support for sexual assault, financial counseling, children's services, support groups, outreach service to the community, legal services, and sibling abuse, and there's a lot of that going on, too, specialized programs. Now, I'm not going to say any more because I, I, I need for him to tell his story. And then at times I will go, like I said, back to, you know, to his bio. And he's got quite a good bio here. Again, the telephone number is 646-595-2118. And if you want to be a part of what's being uh, said here, you want to be on the panel, all you have to do is push in number one, okay? Push in number one after, you know, typing in that number, you push in number one. If you want to just listen, I won't bother you, I promise. <laughs> I'll see that you're there, but I won't call on you because a lot of people don't like to be called on. But for those of you who are willing to fight the fight, um, and you know how I am, you know, you can call in, you can push the number one, and uh, we'll have quite a good discussion here. Okay, so why don't you, uh, Kermit, why don't you start telling your story, and uh, I will stop you from time to time, because usually we, we can have a panel. Friday nights, a lot of times, not so, but uh, Christmas is almost here, and people are out going crazy in the stores, and uh, all kinds of stuff. So anyway, um, please do start telling your story. All right, well, my name is Kermit McCowan. I was raised in Montana. Um, all of my life, lived here all my life, and when I was around seven years old, um, unbeknownst to me, uh, we're all playing in the yard, and uh, I was the one that was grabbed, I was uh, hogtied, and turned upside down, and all my brothers and sisters are lined up on the bank. And I could not tell you what I got in trouble over because it just happened so fast. Everybody was in the yard, and that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And so um, a, a lot of things happened through those early years that were very hard to deal with when you're totally alone. You have nobody to talk to, you have nobody to explain your situation with anybody, and you're totally alone. Even though you have 11 brothers and sisters and your mom and your dad, nobody was any help. As a matter of fact, they were probably more uh, involved than I knew um, until I found out when I was older. And so a lot, a lot happens where your mind blocks out 
the trauma. Um, a lot of the things that happened to me was uh, hid for many, many years. And so I didn't tell my first wife anything about it um, that I was married to. And matter of fact, it, it didn't even, it wasn't even present. And so it wasn't until after I divorced, I wound up uh, understanding what was going on. So it took many, many years for all of these things to hide and until I could confront them, I guess. Um, it's very hard to do. Um, you don't know where to turn. You don't know who to talk to, even as an adult. And so to get people to understand what happens to you and then actually hear what went on to you with you with everybody else and you can begin the healing the healing is so much harder than sometimes going through all of the things that you went through because it's uh drugs up everything that you've gone through and then you have to take it day by day, and you have to find somebody that is a good counselor that will listen, that will help you heal through all of the steps to get there. Um, for many, many years, I was, wasn't able to um, take water in my face. And so when I was taking a shower, it would always scare me. And so... It wasn't until almost five years ago that I actually was able to the water in my face and be able to get through it. So there's a lot of post stuff that happens when your brothers and your sisters gang up on you during all of these times. So you wind up with a lot that happens. And even though you go to school you know, and, and you're totally told to don't have the school call the house. They don't want to hear it. And so if they call, then you get just as much in trouble. So there's a lot of things that stop children from being able to open up and to reach out and to ask for help or to uh, find somebody that cares enough to take you out of that situation. And it's been my whole life trying to get through this stuff. But I do understand that it is very, very important for the everybody that's involved, whether it's the hospitals or whether it's the schools or whether it's the fire department or whether it's the police or whoever that you can reach out and you can talk to. We were never allowed to go to church or allowed to have any friends come to the house, or even use the phone. And so you wind up getting um, put into this little world. Um, but when you're dropped off uh, a thousand miles away, you wind up um, not knowing what to do. You don't know how to uh, read a newspaper. You don't know how to find a job. You don't know who to talk to. And you wind up um, literally scratching just to survive, knocking on doors for water. 
um, different things like that. Mm-hmm. So I was I have been very uh, fortunate to go through all of this stuff without landing up in jail or uh, being what was accused of me. And so, and I fought for that. I fought for my dignity in my lifetime that it's, uh, it's important to believe you as a person and to believe the right to have a happy life. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. You see, what happens to us, I, so many of us on NASCAR have had a horrific childhood and um, had alcohol, drugs, suicide. I tried that, too. I did all of it. And um, because I was so miserable, we want that pain to go away. And we don't know how to make it go away. So then we turn to all this other stuff. And uh, we make mistakes, too. But the way that I look at it is, you know, those mistakes that we made probably would not have been made had we come from a home where we had parents that cared and who were loving, certainly who did set boundaries, because that's a part of loving your child, and boundaries that are not, you know, unattainable, but boundaries that kids can understand, and and so forth and so on. But there's so many kids that go through life who came from a dysfunctional home where a lot of things have happened and they were sexually abused in the home, outside of the home, and uh, all of this. And there are many of us on NASCAR that have gone through that. And finally, you know, today I walk with my head up high and if someone says something I don't like, I tell them to kiss my ass. (laughs) <laughs> because, you see, with me, um, at one time, I was a very shy, inward uh, child. And I was, you know, in, you know in, I was taking all of this in, all the horrific things that had happened in my life. And, um, and I didn't want to, I couldn't make eye contact. It hurt. I thought about that the other night. I could not make eye contact. And I, all kinds of phobias. Um, I didn't want to be with my peers. I didn't want to be in school. I didn't want to read out loud and all these these other things because I didn't want people, I couldn't stand people looking at me because, you see, they made me feel so dirty, all this stuff that happens. Certainly, we feel unloved. This is what happens to kids. We go through um, so many things that when you come from a normal, if you will, home, those children don't go through those things. We have to learn to like ourselves. We have to learn to love ourselves. And then we take that step forward and we uh, say, hey, I'm going to love this person. There might be someone you like an awful lot. I'm going to try it. Many times we, we've been so abused and, and we have such you know, conflict as to what's normal, what's normal, what's not normal um, in a family between husband and wife, mother, father, whatever that we don't even know how to choose partners and we make mistakes in our relationships. I certainly did that. I did it twice. The way I look at it is three times, you're out. I won't even go there. <laughs> Let's just keep it at two, all right? And I'm fine just the way that I am. And uh, so you see, what we go through, the post-traumatic stress disorder, 
I have people at times say, don't say disorder. Uh, that's what the DSM says, and that's what other people say, and in psychiatry, psychology, et cetera, et cetera, it's PSTD, and that's what it is. Because, you see, it rules our life. It Whatever to, yes. is that we're, you know, what we're feeling inside, whatever is, you know, making us not behave normal um, because of fear, because of uh, all the uh, terrible things that we're going through, of, of self-hatred, you know, all the things that we go through. Um, we go through all of this. People may not understand it, especially if you're a kid that's curled up in a ball almost, you might as well be. You're so introverted, mm. and you internalize all of the horrible things that people have done to you. And we don't realize that those things that happen, it's not our fault. We were just kids. And what do kids do? They look to their parents for guidance. They look for their parents for love. They look for their, their family to be a family. And if you don't have that, and you see all the kids around you who do have that, that messes with your mind too. And I even developed a hatred at one point towards uh, what I thought to be was a normal family, okay? You know, you might as well see, <laughs> you might as well see like the, the summertime, um, how they had the advertisement for the uh, SO gas station, Um I don't know if you remember that, but it shows uh, people getting gas at the ESO. It's Exxon today. ESO gas station. And they have, of course, they, they have that, what do you call that car? I can't think. The station wagon. They have the dog in it. The dog has his head out the window. The parents and the kids, oh, it's tra-la-la. They're singing songs and all this stuff, and they're going up the hill. La-la-la-la-la. Okay. And uh, you think to yourself, my God, why couldn't that have been me? We know that we come from different backgrounds. We know that in a sense, yes, we're different. And then we have to learn, you know, number one, it wasn't our fault, okay? And number two, how do we, how do we get rid of these, these complexes that we have, these phobias, the nightmares, um, all the things that, we, that hurt us and, and uh, you know, we just have for many years of our life. But the good news is this, you can heal. You find a therapist that you're, you know, feel comfortable with. And sometimes it's not comfortable when you have a really good counselor or a therapist or psychiatrist that you choose, whatever the three. Sometimes you're going to hit upon areas in your life that are painful. But you have to learn to work through that. And always remember. You do. Yes. That it was never your fault. Never. Because you were just a kid. Yeah, now, let me see something here. I, I see here, all I could do was just live within the moment. That's true. It took a lot of courage to face all the things that came out in the next 16 years of torture. Now, explain to us what that means, because people do look at the bios. The next 16 years of torture, what was that, if you don't mind saying? Well, there's, there's uh, quite a bit. Um, there's family rivalries inside of all of that when you have that many children. And some like to, or in my household, or some of my experiences that I had, is that, and I didn't know this until 
uh, maybe that's nine years ago, maybe. And my sisters and brothers would take my hand and put it in warm water as I slept. And they thought it was funny that uh, I would pee the bed. Mm-hmm. And they would get out of trouble, and I would get uh, beaten. I would have uh, pissy underwear on my face, or I was pushed into it in the mattress, or I was beaten. Um, there's a lot of things in there that happened. I was put in a dress, and it stood in the middle of the yard. A lot of different things like that happened. Mm-hmm. Um those are those are just parts of, of that kind of thing. And I didn't know. I always thought it was a medical condition of me that I could not um, not pee the bed. And so it took a long, long time for me to figure out how to not pee the bed. Um, even why they laughed at what they were doing. Um, it's just. I, I no longer have any uh, relations with any of my brothers or sisters uh, to this day um, because of a lot of different things that had happened. And, you know, when you're pushed and you're beaten, um, brothers jump on top of you, beating the heck out of you, or, you're, or your sister's whipping you with a switch. Um, there's so many different things that happens. And, as a child, you're just reacting to the moments, and you don't have a choice, mm-hmm. and you're in, you're just in it. And you know, I don't know, I don't know how to explain how all of that hit itself for so long. You know, because it's a, uh, it's very emotional inside to mm-hmm. understand that kind of stuff. And it's very hard to even talk about it because when you talk about it, you know, to me, I've always told myself, if you talk about it, then you're giving them courage. You're giving them, uh, they were able to do all this stuff to you. So you're giving them, you know, the right. And in fact, you should just talk about yourself and talk about what happened to you and not talk about them which helps as, as somebody that's gone through this to recognize that it's not about them, but it's about you mm-hmm. and that uh, I don't need to be on no um, higher plane to, than anybody else. It's about dealing with the pain and the hurt and the things that are inside you. Even through these holiday times, I still don't miss my brothers and sisters no. Um, because there's there's no right for me to do that for them. I I can't do that for them. And so it's uh you you look at situations like that and back in the seventies, you know, when they were able to do whatever parents were able to do whatever they wanted to do. Um if they didn't like the school or whatever, from my experience they could they do whatever they wanted to do, I guess. You know, so seeing the children these days where they can speak out, uh, they have confidence in teachers or they try to have confidence in teachers 
or they uh, neighbors that are good neighbors that they feel there's good neighbors that they could speak to or anybody. It's so important to open up. Uh, friends or anybody that you're associated with as a little child that could help get the word to somebody else is always a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's just so many different things that children can do if if they're in those positions in life. I think it is uh, well, you important know, okay. I, I agree for with all that. parents to understand this. Yes. And, uh, okay, there's two things here. Um, years ago, when we were kids growing up, um, there was no help. Not when I was growing up, okay? No. People would turn, they'd look away. Of course, a lot of people still do that, and we're working on that. Um, they don't want to get involved, whatever. And there wasn't any help for a child. A child had no one. And uh, even the school system, I mean, once in a while you might find a teacher who would show compassion. But for the most part, they didn't want to get involved. Or they wouldn't go any further than between you and she or he. And it wasn't really helpful. Yeah. Um they didn't have people go in and really, really um, do an investigation of the homes unless there was a murder, okay? And then, uh, you know, they'd become involved. They'd go in and uh, see what they could see. But if they weren't trained to understand child abuse, um, <laughs> and they tell you ahead of time they're coming, well, the house is nice and clean, the kids are all spiffied up, and, uh, you know, they don't quite get it. They don't get it. Yeah, I lived with I, li- I lived with that, you know, they mm-hmm. cleaned the house up and, yeah, PTS yeah. came and, yeah. Yeah, um, that's what they do. And, and you see, um, CPS has to learn some lessons. Uh, they have to be better trained. Uh, so do the others, not just CPS. I had a CPS worker. I happened to like her. But usually those organizations, no, they don't have enough training. And they're not, they don't look beyond their nose because they just want to get their job done. They want the paperwork filled out, take it back to your office, put it in the computer, and uh, la, 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 let somebody go from there. And in the meantime, the kid doesn't get help, okay? So we have a long ways to go. A long ways to we go. We do. We do. We do. But There's a lot, it's still lot better. of events that happened to me when I was in school. Um, right after being drowning and different things like that. Um, I was held back in the third grade, and I tried to crawl up into the ceiling mm-hmm. to get away from everybody. But they just pulled me back down, put, called the parents, sent me back home. Mm-hmm. Um, another place where they moved to, I set up, I set up in the hallway because I, I was getting in trouble in school told me to go sit in the hallway, and I just sat out there hitting my head on the wall. Nobody cared. Nobody tried. Nobody wanted to be out there. Nobody wanted to help. Uh, I even had that as being a young man um, trying to find counseling where the counselors would cry and that they couldn't help. It was too too hard for them to hear. Um, These are the things that you hear when you're growing up and 
trying to do something right. You know, I, I wound up working 20 hours a day for many, 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 many years just because of the fact that I could get home, I could get some sleep, and I could get back up and go and go again. You know, yeah. So uh, I worked very hard and doubled the jobs just to get through the things that I had to deal with. Well, then also, too, if uh, most of your, your um, problem is at home, the more time you spend that at home, then it's less time you have to look at the people who are abusing it. Well, this, so you yeah, see, I, um, that's what I was 16. I, do, I wasn't allowed to go to work. You know, oh. um, that's when they drove me a thousand miles and dropped me off. I'm talking mm-hmm. about as as a an adult. That's how I dealt with it. Mm-hmm. It's it's very hard. It's very sad. I I knew um, a boy who was 12 years old um, who was urinating in his bed. See, so often when there's child abuse, whether anyone's putting your hands in water. And, of course, we've all heard of that before, you know, you will urinate. Um, But this kid, because of the abuse that was in his house, just simply regressed. He went backwards. He was 12 years old, but he went backwards. And so, so often, you see, that's another result of child abuse. This is what people have to understand. I don't know if they have to understand it. A lot of people don't want to understand it because they don't care enough, okay? We're trying to get people to understand, you know, why it's so important. And a lot of times it has to do with their pocketbooks. People don't realize that, like, uh, for juvenile detention, uh, other places that I worked, even over at uh, Grayson Psychiatry, the places that I worked, if you look at your paycheck, there's a little tiny area where it says, and it's not much money, but a certain area where it, it shows how much money is coming out of your paycheck. To go for, you know, institutions like detention, um, the prison population in general, and, and then, of course, the, for the mentally ill. Now today, they have knocked down many, if not all. They're certainly working on it. Um, the institutions or, or the, the buildings, if you don't want to call it institutions, um, for the mentally ill, and they're out on the street, okay? Mm. Not nice. But you see, society has to pay a little tiny bit, and they don't realize it because it's not brought to their attention. I hope people are listening, okay? So <laughs> now <laughs> now another thing, too, okay, is, is if we don't help children who are in trouble, what happens? Many times they end up in the system, I would apply for jobs which I could identify with. I feel, well, now I don't have to learn too much, do I? I know all about it. <clears throat> so when mm-hmm. I went to the detention center to apply for a job, I got it immediately. Um, started the next day. But the point is I already knew the job because, okay, I didn't go to juvie. I did have some right. boundaries. I did. There were some things about me I wouldn't do. But my friends didn't have any boundaries. I loved them dearly, but oh boy. <laughs> and they'd end up going to, you know, to juvie, which was a lot different back then than it is now. And a lot of them did commit adult crimes. That's why we had that police pre- uh, presence right on the grounds. Did they learn anything from juvenile detention? No. Did they have enough counselors there? No. 
See, that's the problem. They don't have the proper people working with them. As the children, they, I had an eight-year-old safe cracker. Are you nuts? <laughs> um, his father taught his daughter how to break into to, um, businesses. He was with her right there. And, and he knew where the safes were because, you see, he was a maintenance man. And maintenance goes all over the uh, all over the buildings, don't they? So they know where certain things are. So uh, he would have his daughter, which and he knew how to get into the safes. Now I'm not a safe cracker. I hadn't the faintest idea. So, but he taught her, and you see, he thought, and what a nasty man! If she gets caught, she'll just right. go to juvie. If I get caught, I'll go to prison. So he was using him for quite some time, and uh, then they got caught. So she ended up in, in juvenile detention. Oh. So you see, when you come from families that have no love for their children, and, and you can't always say, well, let's look back to the past to see where they come from. Yes, there is a lot of people. There are a lot of people who came from horrific backgrounds, whose parents came from horrific backgrounds. That's when you hear the stupid remarks like, don't slap him in the head. Eh, why not? I got slapped in the head and I'm all right. Really? <laughs> I don't know if you're all right or not. He might be the guy at the end of the bar drinking. Okay? And, and then he goes right. home and he slaps his family around, you see? So what happens is society has to change too. Right. Um, and when you mention in here about communities, I'm very interested in community work because I've done it and I do it. And um, so with community work, if we can get people, you know, like in the city, in the urban areas, you have the block parties, right? Uh, you may not be having too many block parties right now because there's too many shooting parties going on and stuff. <laughs> so, I mean, that's even taken away from that. But at one time... At one time, when people had the block parties, you know, the neighbors got to know each other, and um, maybe they'd be helpful to someone's neighbor or someone's kid down the street and say, hey, so-and-so, I just saw your kid doing this, not squealing, but let's go Let's go stop this. You know what I'm saying? They'd work together. Mm-hmm. If community could, like, work together as a whole and for the betterment of the society for the betterment of the community, for the betterment so that children don't end up in places like juvenile detention, which teaches them nothing, and and all this other stuff, then maybe, just maybe, we'd have, you know, less kids uh, committing crimes who then turn into adults who commit crimes, and uh, we would have less suicides, maybe. Um, Mm -hmm. There's always a maybe you have to put there. But it's better to try. I believe it's better to try to do something positive to uh, try and help. Because for too many years, people haven't helped. And look what happened. The kids that are out there on the streets today, they don't even have a conscience about it. They don't even worry about it. They weren't taught any different. Okay? They're not taught values. So this is what happens. Well, today's world, it's hard. So with what you know, you're doing, um, yeah. So what what you're describing is horrific abuse at home from your siblings, 
it's written here for God's sake that your mother um, drove you a thousand miles and dropped you off in the desert. God, how old were you when she did that? Sixteen. I just turned sixteen. Okay. What did you do? Well, um, I lived underneath staircases, um, begged for food, um, found a way to get to my grandfather's place. And then he said that uh, he was too old to help, but uh, he put me into Job Corps, Mm -hmm. and I learned how to become a a plumber, and then I left there and learned how to become a cabinet maker. And after that, I learned to become a five-star comer baker. And so I did both. I baked at night and worked construction during the day. Well, okay, you became like um, a workaholic, okay? Yeah. Um, That's what you were doing. And uh, I don't know, maybe then you didn't need to get into drugs and alcohol because everyone has their addictions, don't they? Um, but did you get into drugs and alcohol? I'm just curious. I um, there was a period of time that I did drink, and I had mm-hmm. friends that smoked and did all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't drink today, and I don't do that today either. So, you know, it's uh, self-choice, you know. Mm-hmm. people People need to make their own choices and stuff, even after they go through uh, what I've been through. And you don't need a crutch uh, in life. Um, You just need to believe in yourself. That's right. That's exactly right. And um, I was, I was good. Uh, I used to run. I ran marathons for a while. Um, I enjoyed doing that, and so I kept myself really, really busy uh, to the point where I didn't have to understand it. Um, And it wasn't until later um, that I decided that I would actually really focus on myself when I realized what had happened to me. Um, I took, it was like, I don't know, 20 years ago, I went into a behavioral health center and taught myself through the program. I wasn't put there. Um, nobody, nobody made me go there. I just wanted to get help for myself to understand what was going on. So once everything came out, I took the responsibility to start to uh, help myself through it. Mm-hmm. It's so painful, you know, what parents can do to their children. And you think to yourself, what kind of monsters are they? I know that's what I used to think. Holy crap. The night that I tried to commit suicide, um, and so many of us do that. I'm certainly not unique in any of the things that I say. But um, my brother, who was five years my senior, and also one of my abusers, and that was okay. But he had moved out and he left a mattress behind in his bedroom. I guess he broke a, a bottle or something. I don't know. So there's a piece of glass on the floor. And I flopped down on the mattress. 
I was screaming and crying. My mother had said something horrible. I'm not going to go into that. And uh, so I started to cut my wrist. And so she said, do it and do it right. My stepfather was on the other side, and he said, yeah, yeah. He was from Denmark. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I didn't have anyone either. We didn't have parents, you see. We don't have what we need to help build. If you have a rocky foundation on a house, the house is going to collapse. And for we who have been horribly abused, um, after a while, we're going to collapse. Some have nervous breakdowns. Others turn to crime. Others try to kill themselves and all this other stuff. But I, I remember... I was only 17. I remember looking up at them. I stopped cutting for a minute. I looked up at them and I thought, my God, what kind of people are they? And then I resumed my cutting. And uh, lucky for me, I guess it's lucky, um, they allowed for me to have a friend live with me. Us, not me, us. And we always had big houses. So she went on a date and she didn't like the guy. (laughs) So anyway, he dropped her back off. She came running upstairs probably to tell me what was going on with the date, and she caught me. And I had very long, bleached blonde hair. Yes, I did. And so she got a hold of my long, bleached blonde hair and pulled me up and almost snapped my neck to get me up off the mattress on the floor. And she says, let's get out of here. That's exactly what we did. My was blood flying all over the place. So we bandaged up because my stepfather had a huge business, and we had a medicine cabinet down there and she did the best she could hired help came out and uh, they were helping to try and stop the blood i needed to go to the hospital that's what i needed but um i met my first husband that night and that's the end of that tragedy man because let me tell you he was he was a tragedy too it just never stopped (laughs) turned out to be horrific very bad marriage Mm. and i'm not going to go into all those details in between and after but I thought it was kind of funny because um, he asked me what I was doing with my wrist. What happened? The people behind the counter in the diner where we were at oh, stayed open 24 hours. And uh, they were trying to bandage me up, and um, and they helped. And um, we ended up with his car. He said, drop me off at home. You have your homeless. Um, we'll figure it out tomorrow. Pick me up at work. Well, the car stalled in front of the Madison Police Department. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, no. I'm like Calamity Jane, I swear to God. So my friend and I, we decided to look in the glove compartment, and inside there was a gun. I didn't want to touch the blasted thing. I didn't want my prints on that. I was looking for paperwork because I forgot to ask him his last name. So Hmm. we started to walk. And, uh, you know, I, I was walking and walking right on the borderline of one town going into the other town. The police picked me up. Boy, was I mad. It picked me up and picked my friend up and took us to the police department, and they did a better job on my wrist. I was thankful for that. Long story short, his mother came in and uh, said, don't you ever go near my son again. Well, we ended up getting married nine months later. (laughs) She never did like me. But you see, (laughs) our life has all kinds of twists and turns to it and all kinds of horror. I know we could probably uh, make a horror movie. There you go. (laughs) 
And, uh, you know, I don't know if I want to live it, in it. It would probably do well, too. People like horror movies. What the heck? So the point is, if we don't have the proper help that we need as a child, we grow up totally dysfunctional. I have a lot of musical ability. I ended up in New York City, which is where I was born. I was born in New York, not in New York City, but I ended up in the city. And and I, I, I got into singing. I love it. That's my passion is to sing. And um, I did a good job. Met Tiny Tim. <laughs> that was funny. But um, he had a tragic life, and he had a tragic death, unfortunate. But uh, the point is this. You know, I that's one thing I can look back on, okay, with um, with a lot of fun in my heart. Look back in a positive way because I enjoyed what I was doing. I had four friends. I called us the Fab Five, and the Fab Five was doing quite well in New York City. Didn't get me to Hollywood, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> I was in New York City and having fun. And in those days, there wasn't so much trouble, was there? So, no. okay, we had a good time, and uh, I fell in love, and I married this guy, my husband, number one, and I was going back and forth from home to the city, back and forth to home to the city, and uh, had that ter- terrible night, and um, I, that was the end of my singing career. I should have stayed in the city, only I didn't know it, <laughs> you know, but anyway, what we go through when we're brought up in children in a home where there's there's no love, there's no connection, there's no um, direction, and boundaries is actually showing love. People may not understand that, as long as the boundaries are the right type of boundaries, because everyone needs Correct. boundaries. Correct. You know, we would have had better lives. <laughs> but the good thing, the good thing about what you're saying here after having such a horrific life, okay, um, is the fact that you're looking at things in the right light today. Yes, it still hurts. If I want to, I can look back to all kinds of stuff that happened to me. I mean, I was sexually abused so many times that I'm ashamed to even mention it. It's not my fault. And a lot of it happened at home. And, you know, it wasn't my fault then either. So you see, we have to understand, yes, this happened, it wasn't my fault, and now it's time to live. That's right. And you said something a few minutes ago, now, maybe half an hour ago. You said that you don't miss your, your sisters and you don't get together for, you know, holidays and all this other stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. with my brother, the last time he spoke to me on the phone was 2008. He called me, he was filthy mouth, and I said, don't call me until you can be normal. Well, I haven't heard from him since, have I? Yeah. So yeah. you see, well. what we go through are horrendous things. I don't miss him. I don't know if he's dead or alive because he's older than me. And we all know I'm only 22. I think upstairs I'm only <laughs> 22. We won't go there. But anyway... <laughs> The point is, I don't care if I ever see him again. And he couldn't keep his hands off of my friends either. He's lucky he didn't get whacked. Now, what nationality am I? I found out through ancestry. 
So you see, um, what we go through, other people can't even fathom a lot of them. Because when you come from a home that is, you know, the right home and, and things are done the right way, to look at people like us, we're almost like an ogre. You know, they look at us and go, yeah, I don't know if I want to be near them. They're strange. They're different. <laughs> you know? and But the truth of the matter is we're just like everyone else. And what we're trying to, to do is get in touch with who we are. And what you've done so far, what you've told me with the jobs that you were had and all this other, your grandfather actually did you somewhat of a favor because he got you involved, would you say, was a job corps? I was having trouble hearing you doing Job corps, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And um, that was a good thing because it taught you different trades. Now, you should never have had to you go did. through what you went through in order to get the job corps, okay? But we have to look at it as it is, as it was, and how it is now. Well, Let me ask today, you something. Do you like yourself today? I do. I do. Talk a little louder. I can't hear you. I feel about myself. Yes, as far as I feel about me, yes, I do. I I feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. I think that I have a, a good grasp on what's happened to me. And, but you I see, still we have can't a, feel guilty. I mean, you can. No. If you allow yourself. No. no. But, you yeah, see, you can, you um, so often it. kids do feel guilty, uh, you know, because of the things that they went through. They, well, maybe if I'd been a better kid. I hear that so often. Yeah, I, I don't started think working with social services in the 70s. And it went on until the 90s, and I said, that's enough of that. <laughs> I saw things I didn't like. <laughs> but the point is, so often kids, they... Um, they blame themselves for things that were not their fault. Because okay? they're told. Kids are just cold. kids. Yeah. And I don't care yeah. if you're five. My abuse started when I was six. Or if you're 17, when the actual abuse of sexual abuse stopped. Um, look, I could say to myself, well, why didn't I fight my brother off more? Well, hell, he was stronger than me. He was tougher than me. And he'd get this look on his face that was maniacal. And I already knew it was going to happen, but that face with the maniacal look. And you know what? My mother had that same maniacal look. And my grandmother, her mother, had the same maniacal look. And they used to, they actually uh, controlled people with that look. They looked like demons. Yes, they do. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yes, they do. If I wasn't scared before, I was scared looking at them. Do I miss any of them? Hell no. I'm glad I'm away from it. Look, they're in another place. And I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I don't think it's up. I think it's down. And that gives me peace, well, believe it or not. Because I think, huh. and it's only me who's talking, but I think that when people hurt children the way that they do, that they have to, they have to answer to God for it afterwards. They just simply do. Children are a gift. They're a gift. So, you know, I'm not going to get into the Bible heavy. I don't do that. Anyway, it says in there, don't preach on street corners, otherwise you're going to turn people off. And that's the truth. Go behind closed doors. (laughs) (laughs) But there are are some things that can be used, you know, even in our healing. And I say 
that if you're going to abuse a child, and I, I read something today that was just so horrific, it, it almost made me vomit, I'm telling you. And I thought I had a strong stomach. I almost did. But, you know, the abuse that can happen to a child who is a gift from God is so bad that I believe, I believe that, you know, you have to, you have to answer for it later on. If you don't answer for it on this earth, you're going to answer for it later. And and having that faith and that reality and that belief happens to be something that got me through all the stuff that I went through. And I started to like myself better. I started to do well. I went out and applied for jobs that were high up, high end, got them. They sent me to school, um, and all of a sudden I thought, hey, I'm not stupid after all, am I? No. Because you see, these narcissistic people, which so often are in families, they like to make you feel stupid. You know what I'm saying? They have tried that. And with those <laughs> who, you know, beat you up, uh, do the things. My brother used to beat me up, or he'd tickle me so hard that I'd pee in my pants. Now, I didn't get yelled at for that. I'd just go upstairs and change. But he was sadistic. So I had to go through all kinds of things, too. We all do. Everybody on NASCA. And not one case is worse than another case, because even if it only happens once, we don't take measuring sticks here, because trauma is trauma. So all the things that you've spoken about here, that's right here on your bio, mm. you've taken, I applaud you for getting the help that you needed. Um, I okay. am thankful that you've healed for as far as you have and you have. Mm. Um, and I read an article today just earlier before the show. Um, yes, I don't care how far along you are in the healing journey. Um Quite frankly, we're all going to have our good, bad, and, and ugly days, okay? That's just the way it is, because we are going to go back and get a thought in our head all of a sudden. Ooh, remember when that happened? And then you start feeling bad. But the thing to do is to go out. If it happened in the house, go out. Take a ride. Um, Correct. Go get an ice cream cone. There you go. You can be like Biden. Go <laughs> get an ice cream cone. I don't know. Go do something like that. I'm losing weight. I gotta do. I gotta go get a rock. You know, like a, <laughs> buy a book or whatever you're into. Okay, and uh, remember that those people, those people, have to answer later on, and that's the truth. Yeah. Um, I I always look now at you it have to talk louder my... because all I'm hearing is. I'm sorry. So I don't know what. I, I don't have on. anything. Is your speaker on or something? I'm trying to figure this out. It was turned down. I'm going to change phones. That's what down. I'm going to do. <laughs> I live up in the in the country where there's woods and coyotes and bears. Hold on a second. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm not sure I'm going here. Hold on. Now let's try this phone. Now say something. Can you hear me now? Oh, God, what a difference. I don't even know if I was talking at the right time before. <laughs> I'm telling you, I couldn't hear you at all. So if there, if I sound a little wacky or wackier than usual, people know me. I, I make people laugh. 
It makes me feel good. It makes them feel good. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, uh, yeah, I uh, I have a good phone now. But um, I'm proud of you because all the things that you described, uh, some people would just plain fall apart to the point where, hey, when I went to Greystone, I, of course, I have access to all records. Um, they had backgrounds like us, many of them. Right. Ninety yeah. percent of them, uh, I'm going to say. You know? Um, I, 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 you know, talk with my counselor. Even to this day, I still talk to him. And I, I, can, I couldn't do without it sometimes, you know, because it's just so important. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the holidays period of time like it is now. Um, everybody wants to look back and, you know, they look back for uh, for uh, uh, good times with the uh, holidays and different things like that. And when people like me and stuff like that who have grown up that I thought was good times, which wasn't really good times, you know, and so you wind up having to understand all of that kind of stuff was in a bad way. And that the life that I've learned learned to live is trying to be positive, act positive, work positive, you know. And it's always those type of things that you have to look at, you know, instead of trying to look back and saying why, you know, you always try to look forward, you know, and humble yourself in the situation and go forward. Well, this is what we do at NASCA. I know it's been a long time since you've been on. But since you've been on yeah. tonight, please do come back. You know, uh, feel free to call in any time. You've got the number. Okay, Monday through Friday. Yes. And uh, we we always need to. Ha- I I love to have guys on, and um, because men are starting to speak out more, and they certainly deserve to. You know, men. Well, yeah, have, it's important. Well, look, you have the same emotions that women do that I do. You know, you 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 cry. You feel I don't cry. I wasn't allowed to cry. Someone has to punch me in the head, and then maybe I'll get a tear run down my face. I don't know. <laughs> but you know, but um, men feel the same way that women do. Abuse is abuse. Trauma is yeah. trauma. There's no difference. There's no difference. Yeah, and uh, so now that men are speaking out more. There's a lot more guys that are walking around. They're getting on a healing journey. And um, we have programs here at NASCA, which are very, very good. I'm the night owl, okay? Uh, I stay up all night, literally, because the phone doesn't stop ringing many times until around 4 in the morning. And then I have to take my shower because I'm sure I'm dirty, okay? But I can't be. I showered the night before. Maybe just a few hours before, right? Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Crazy, but I saw my skin when I was working in the lab. I looked at my skin underneath the uh, the microscope and I went, "Ew, that's what skin looks like." Oh no, honey. <laughs> so I make sure you know that I shower every night. Sometimes having um, you know education can blow your mind because if you look at your skin under, you're not going to like it either. Believe me. So okay. oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't look good. So um, you know so. I make sure, you know, I take a shower, go to bed. By that time, it could be 6 o'clock in the morning. So I tell people, don't call me until around 2 or 3. I have to have my coffee. Um, Otherwise, it won't make sense, okay? 
and uh, they've all learned that. And with the doctor, you know, for blood work or whatever I'm going for, or you know, whatever, whatever, um, they make sure they give me, you know, an afternoon appointment. I don't, they don't even ask me more. Care House Three, that's fine, <laughs> you know. So because I have to sleep sometime. And so a lot yeah, more men uh, are coming forward. Go ahead. Well, it does. You know, you that uh, less sleep is always a trigger to all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is, uh, you know, the I don't know. I I just get into hobbies and different things now um, because I'm older now. So mm-hmm. it's I had a stroke like five five years ago. I think I had a stroke. That was five years ago. Um, and it was a massive stroke. And mm-hmm. so I, I don't work now because of all of that kind of stuff. Right. And so it makes it even harder as, as somebody that that is still fighting through the fight of it, even though I've had a stroke. You know, mm-hmm. and um, I just look forward. I look forward every day. Um I try to reach out where I can, like this this radio station is one of, one of them. Um, that is a very good thing to reach out to, to mm-hmm. help other people understand that there is a life after everything that you go through. And that, Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's only, it, the only song that you need to worry about is the one you're playing because it means to mean something for you. And mm-hmm. so I always look at it that way, you know. Because see, those if not, what else can you do? <laughs> uh, well, drink. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I that's what I, when I didn't have answers, that's what I did. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, you know, I know I don't mean that. <laughs> you know, I'm teasing. But you know what I'm saying. But, you know, the point is you're going to do something that's not positive probably. If you don't have enough positivity in your life, um yeah, that's why I always tell people, if you're feeling um, depressed, a lot of depression around this time of year anyway, and then if you're a person sure. that has all the problems, you know, like what we do or like we had, okay, because we right. don't have to hang on to those, okay? So We do not. It's good. No, you can't. You, it would drive you nuts. And... Um, so it's better than to change your environment if you're in the house. Like I said, go take a walk or, or take a ride or, or, or go see someone. Go go talk to a neighbor if you have any decent ones, and I hope you do. You know, but whatever. I do Good. And um, I don't have too many neighbors around here. <laughs> I go talk to whoever's <laughs> moving out in the back. I don't know. But, um, you know, the, the point is that... Uh, Get yourself out of that situation, the, even if it's the environmental part, you know, in the house or whatever. Move yourself out of there and do something, and you'll feel better. Or then I have, since uh, Christmas is coming, I have people, and it's it's sad, it's sad. They'll say to me, um, I have no plans for Christmas. What should I do? You know, and I just want to engulf all of them. I just want to take them and take them all and say, hey, man, let's have a party, you know. But I can't do that. There you go. We're, all in, <laughs> we're all in different states and, and some in different countries, you know what I'm saying? So um, I said, if you like, you can call me and I'll sing to everybody. Hey, let's do that. We can have a sing-along. That's what we'll do, okay? So, you know, but the point is this. 
um, I play the piano too, so I'll, I'll do Silent Night and I'll do uh, Rock Around the Christmas Tree and all that other stuff. I'll do some Elvis things, whatever. So I've done that before. And you see, the thing of it is, is um, we have to realize we're in a better place today. And if you are alone, go out. And, and this is not a demeaning thing for you at all. But there's soup kitchens. There's people who need help right now. So many hungry people. Oh, my God. And I've worked with the homeless. Right. I did that over in New York. I did for, Let me go in there. And uh, I did it for a while. And then COVID came, so I had to stop. But um, And then uh, I speak about organizations. Um, but an organization like CPS, I'm not going to name it on the radio right now, um, took over. They got a grant. And they took over what we were doing. Boy, did that make me mad. Because, uh, you know, it's a good feeling when we know we've been so broken that we're together enough to go and help someone else and make them feel better. And you know what happens? Then you feel better. Helping people is helping you. Right. So people out there who are listening, a lot of people listen to the computer. So you out there who are listening, um, you know, if you don't have any plans, it's, it's nothing against you. You've probably gotten the toxic people out of your life, and that's a good thing. Okay? It is. It is. You don't want to be near your family members that hurt you. Why would you? Exactly. So, you know, it's better to do something positive, and, and by that, it'd be great. Like, I always uh, try to give to the Salvation Army because when I worked in a, a detox center, um, if you didn't have insurance, remember, we only detox people, all right? So if you didn't have insurance and you need to go to a program, the Salvation Army was a wonderful place to send them because downstairs was a thrift shop. They would work in the daytime. And of course, they're getting all their meals and all this other stuff. And then... Um, when the day was over, they'd go upstairs, and upstairs was was where they were living, okay? And they had their dinner, and they watched TV, and they conversed together. They had AA meetings. Sometimes the people would go to them. Sometimes the vans would take them to other places, the AA meetings. And a lot of them did a turnaround. They had purpose in life. And you see, that's what we need. When we've been so abused because we've been stripped of dignity, we've been stripped of thinking that that we even could do anything that might be intelligent because we were told so many times we were stupid. Or maybe we were told we were funny looking. I don't know. I'm just saying. (laughs) Whatever the case is, you know, whatever it is, you know, the point is we are people of worth. Okay, we can do good things. You already have had your good job. You already know what it is to work in good jobs. Well, you're not dumb to do that, are you? No. No. And when I started getting the jobs that I worked at, um, I realized that I had intelligence. I was told I was stupid all the time and I'd never amount to anything. And I believed it. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people do believe that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's a shame, isn't it? So by doing these things, I realized that, gee, I'm not stupid at all. I'm actually pretty smart, and I can do a lot. So, you know, people out there, go help someone who's needy. I don't care if it's a neighbor down the street. 
Maybe you have a little extra money. You can make a meal. Have and have. There's your uh, your dinner partner. You know, go and and have make someone happy, and you'll be happy in return. Or go to oh, the yeah. soup kitchens. Yeah. Go to the soup kitchens. You know, and that's that, that's so important for people to understand that. Even even mm-hmm. children going through this same type of things that we've done on through. Um, even to this moment, you know, there's always good things in them and good things that they can look into uh, themselves and they can find a way through all of the stuff that they go through. Um, I, I'm pretty sure about that with everybody. Um, well, you know, if you look on the hard. computer, yes, if you look on the computer in your county, like on Warren County, okay, um, and you type into the browser, I did this just a few weeks ago, you type into the browser um, volunteer agencies, uh, volunteers needed in Warren County. forget how I worded it. But anyway, it worked. It came up. And there was like five, maybe six different places that are looking for people to volunteer in these organizations. Well, look, if you want to make yourself happy and you want to make someone else happy, if you want to have a feeling of fulfillment, you go to these places or want to take, pick a place to go, go there, check it out. Maybe it's not for you. Now you have four or five more you can check out. And um, there might even be more, especially in the urban areas. Um, you know, and, and you can always find some place where you'd fit in. And and that's an important word, but I just said fit in. See, people aren't going to look at you and say, oh, you were this and you were that and you did that. No, they're just so happy that you're there. Okay, and that someone cares that you're going to become a movie star. There you are. <laughs> That's right. I, I heard Yellowstone was uh, playing up here in Butte. <laughs> <laughs> I watch Yellowstone. <laughs> oh God, you bet. But you see, you see what I'm saying. I mean, we can uh, just by the things that we do. You know, even in, in a volunteer way and helping other people, helping other people strengthens us. It does. It makes uh, us or feel, just being in a good way. Well, it's true. You know, look, I know someone that's reading to the blind in the hospital. Do you know how important that person is to that blind person? Pretty important. They can't wait for that important. lady to come in. Because that's something for them to look forward to. They discuss what, you know, book they want, you know, to be read to them and all this other stuff ahead of time. And uh, and then you, you read to the blind. That's a wonderful thing. And, and to have conversation. So there's all different kinds of things that people can do to help other people. Believe me. Well, by by giving giving uh, remarks over all this kind of stuff to help people in these holiday holiday times, mm-hmm. I I think it's very important to uh, when people have time to sit down and to hear these uh, podcasts and different things that uh, it will help as many people as listen to it. So getting the word out to everybody again is important. Well, you know, um, with people listening to the podcast, 
Sometimes you have a lot of people listening, and then other times you don't have as many. It certainly goes up and down, up and down. It doesn't matter. Right. The ones that are listening, hopefully you're helping, giving them some insight maybe that they didn't have. And uh, if they call in, maybe they can give us some insight that we didn't have. See, it works back and forth. I mean, right. I'm not a rocket scientist, you know, and uh, I'm always willing to learn. And uh, then I can teach someone else. Um, you know, no matter how much experience you have, no matter learn. how much schooling, it doesn't matter. You're always learning. Go ahead. I'm never too old to learn, that's for sure. Hey, as long as I'm standing and talking, and we all know I can do that, okay? Um, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, it's okay because um, sometimes I really wear myself out. <laughs> I really do. But, you know, I have, I do a lot of reading. I do a lot of research. I did do a lot of school. I went to Princeton. I got sent there. I didn't want to go there. I was still having panic attacks. So I carried my flask in the back of my pocket. I figured, what the heck? If I have to get up and stand in front of these people or, you know, you know, do an essay or whatever, glug, glug, glug in the ladies' room first, now I can do anything. I'm powerful. No. <laughs> I had to learn to be powerful because now I can talk anywhere, say anything, well, almost anything. And uh, without my flask, I don't need it anymore. Thank God. Okay. <laughs> my God. And by the way, they say vodka doesn't smell. Yes, it does. <laughs> it has an odor. Yes, it does. So, yeah. you know, I mean, we learn as we go along. But all I can tell people is that if you sit home, you know, and do nothing, if you don't reach out and you don't try to get help and if you don't try to give help, um, then that's when the depression sets in. And depression yeah. can be a, a very dangerous thing. There's nothing, you know, people can be depressed from time to time in their life, and that's okay because none of right. us are going to walk around like uh, ha-ha-ha all the time unless there's something wrong with you. I don't know. But we all have we all have feelings, you know. We we all do and can get depressed. I have someone right now in my family who's going to pass away, maybe even before Christmas. Yeah. Pancreatic, okay. And uh, it's very upsetting, very very upsetting. My son, as we speak, has COVID, and uh, his wife has COVID. Mm-hmm. I, uh, uh, I've been around people that had COVID and. I always tell them I'm too damn tough to get it. I'm not going to get it, and I haven't gotten it yet. <laughs> there, hey, I just knocked on some wood. I could have used my head for that. But anyway, the point is this. You know, um, the point is this, that um, some people don't get it, and I think I'm one that didn't get it. I didn't get my booster because I heard things about myocarditis. When I worked in the, with, the, with the drug addicts, a lot of them came in with myocarditis because they used a dirty needle. So I, I learned long ago what myocarditis is. Well, if the booster and some of these shots can give a person myocarditis who, you know, is not a junkie, all right, then I don't want anything I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah. I mean I yeah. do have uh, a I don't right. go ahead. I, I don't know. A lot of people a lot of people has has taken one of those shots and different things and they don't feel any different than they did before and other people have taken it and they've gotten really sick and gotten hurt 
because of it. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. Um, no different than than what we're talking about today, the childhood stuff. You know, it's a, it's mm-hmm. all there. You know, and it's everywhere. Everything you do, and hopefully you just don't. You're not the one that gets caught in it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like having, uh, you know, COVID and different things. Like I've had it right next to me and everything. I haven't had it either. Uh, knock on wood. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm glad of that. I take good care of myself, so I'm I'm pretty proud of that. But at the same time, you know, um, even as an adult or as a child, going around into this world and they're seeing people that have all these different type of issues with some of this stuff, you know, they can reach out and, and give co- comfort to those people. You know, That's so right. It's very, very important. Well, you know what's so good, too? See, we have grown. Um, I wrote a book, was it 10 years ago, 12 years ago? I've been on the show 12 years here, and I had written my book. I'm going to say 12 years ago. I went to Japan, for God's sake. I never expected that. <laughs> Whoa. I made it, to Japan, made it to Japan. So, but the point right. is, yeah, I had one company that... Um, Wanted to make a movie out of my book, and uh, that I was I'm with Author House now. But the company before that, um, they their department, their legal department, said it was too volatile. Now hmm. that same book, if I had written it today, would be accepted, because you see, people are listening, they are learning. Now we have to get them to become proactive. Okay, so we always say, if you see something, say something, right? And I I always give this phone call number number out that you can call. Um, If you see a kid being abused and you don't want to get, you know, call your own police department or whatever, say you live in an urban area or whatever and you're afraid you get retaliation, then call 1-800, the number four, a child. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we've had them on the show three, maybe four times, I guess. And um, I found them years ago now. And I thought they sounded great, and they are great. And they have a hotline service. And uh, so I called them one night, two years, I don't know, maybe three years ago, whatever. And uh, it was about 2 o'clock in the morning. I was bored. And I thought, hmm, let me think. What can I do? Oh, yeah, I'll call the one eight hundred four child number and see if anyone really listens. Because I'd gotten complaints that some of the other programs like that that have these numbers to call, they don't call you back. That's not good. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I called the number and there was a little bit of music. I always always thinking about hanging up. My music is, is nice. It's not even my style though. I'm gonna hang up, okay? <laughs> so, okay. But two seconds after that someone answered she was a very well-trained counselor. I'm a counselor. She was a very well-trained counselor. And I thought, son of a gun. And then I finally told her who I was. I'm Carol Levine. I'm vice president from NASCAR. Silence. <laughs> she didn't expect that. But I said, I wanted to see. And then I told her why I did what I did. I'm not a person who's calling for help. But I wanted to see what kind of help you had to offer might be a little sneaky. But on the other hand, um, I didn't want to give out their number unless I was sure of them. Okay. 
correct. And uh, as it turns out, they're such a good organization. We've had them on three or four times now. Uh, Winona's House in Newark is a very, very good place. They're wonderful. Deidre's House in Morristown, New Jersey, um, they're wonderful. We have some organizations that we've had on that are just playing wonderful, where they work with the family and they really care about their jobs. And see, that's that that's the recipe, the recipe for a uh, a, a good organization. You know, we have enough bad ones. That's so, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh God, how I know. But you know. See, this is what we're doing, though. So, you see, I'm trying to say and trying to show you that, all right, 12 years ago, that's a long time ago, um, when I wrote my book, jeez, I went to a, a book club. And I said this on the radio the other night. I haven't done it in a long time. I'll say it again tonight. But um, there were people standing up. Oh yes, I wrote a book on butterflies. Do 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 do. <laughs> you know, and others. Oh, I want to go on vacation. Mine is all on vacation. All these wonderful, nice things. Comes to my turn because I'm a newbie. Okay, I'm a newbie. Mm-hmm. So I stand up, and I tell them about my book. And I'm going to tell you something. You could hear a pin drop, and not one person clapped. Not one person said a word. They kept their back to me and didn't want. They, they were hoping I'd disappear. Okay, that's 12 years ago. Well, I continued to go for eight times. They did not make a name tag for me. I knew they didn't want me there. But I had never written a book before. And I had to learn how to write a book. So I'm, I'm questioning this one. I'm questioning that one. But I got enough information. I left a blasted place. And I, went, I never went back. Okay? Hmm. So I learned how, what I had, the next steps I had to take. Okay, I learned that. So you see, you know, in order to get my book published and all this other stuff. So you see, um, today people do talk about child abuse. They were even talking it on the news the other night. I'm a news buff. I get so mad I scream at the TV at times. I don't care. And I don't care if my neighbor's here, all right? Or the bears out in the woods. I think they're sleeping right now. But anyway, the point is, um, now they're talking on TV, and it's because of the border. It had to be something horrific that would happen in order to talk about it, I guess. But all the stats have gone up. Kids being kidnapped, kids being pimped out on the street, okay? All the things, all of them. Domestic violence, everything has gone way up. And uh, so, okay, they're talking about it. Now do something about it. Hmm. And if you don't know what to do about it, Call me. I'm the night owl. I'll tell you what to do about it. <laughs> you know, we'll talk for three hours. I've done that. I've been on the phone for as long as two or three hours at times, talking to people. One person. Hang up. Yeah. Get a drink of water. Phone rings again. Okay? So, you see, people need direction. Now, you gave positive direction in what you have written here in your bio and in your story. Okay. Unfortunately, it came through your grandfather in that sense so that you started getting in with jobs and you realized that you're no dummy either, not with the jobs you had. And yeah, um, no. no. And then you went and you got yourself a, a therapist and you seemed to get along. You've been with her for 20 years, for God's sake. That's what you said. And mm-hmm. 
And if you feel like you everything's productive and you've come, you've grown a lot. I think it even says that in there that you've grown a lot. Then it's a good therapist. Yes, I have a very good one. Yeah, and that's important. So, the show's probably almost over. Let me look at the clock here. Let me see. Yo, it is. Wow, fast. <laughs> Boy, did we talk, huh? <laughs> okay. So, okay, as a survivor, and that's what you are, what would you leave? Yes. What type of hope would you leave people? What would you say? I believe in yourself. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's not the problem that's the problem. It's the answer to the problem that becomes the problem. Change your answer, change your problem. Okay, that's good. See, people need to hear from a survivor, and you're a survivor. I'm a survivor. We're still standing. We're still talking. You know, positives, because there's so much that's negative today. It is. There's so much out there. Yes. So I don't want to get cut off, and neither do you. So, But I do want to say to you, thank you so much for coming on. I'm glad we had this, this interview. You're doing well. That gives people hope. Um, please feel free to, you're, you're a NASCA member anyway, for God's sake. Call in more That's often. Right. <laughs> okay? Yes, and then if you want a goofy uh, reddish blonde-haired lady, that's me on Fridays, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And you can be on the panel. You have there a lot go. of good there things go. to say. You have a lot of good things to say, and that's important. Thanks. I appreciate it. Okay? Yes. Okay. And you yes. have a very happy holidays. Thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Christmas now because all the toxic people are gone. But... I have other problems, so I just hope that it's a happy holiday. But um, you know what? I go in the stores and I say, Merry Christmas as I'm leaving. I don't care what people <laughs> think. I really don't. But anyway, so listen, Merry Christmas to you. Um, and please do call back in again because I have to wrap the show up now, okay? And thank okay. you so right. much for coming on, okay? You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, Bye. thank you. Good night now. Bye. Love Talk Radio.